crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the paths of the Lord. Now, John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when John saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath, the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. With a winnowing fork in hand, he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, just in case you thought it was time to talk about Christmas, John the Baptizer shows up and ruins everything. Every year on the second Sunday of Advent, he shows up to slow our rolls toward Christmas. But it makes sense. John the Baptizer is the great preparer. He is the forerunner to Jesus, setting the stage for what is to follow. John carves a path that Jesus will walk through and then reimagine entirely. This today is the story of people from all over the surrounding area coming to be baptized by John. That makes this a good time for us to stop and consider baptism and what it is. As Lutherans, we believe that baptism is one of two sacraments, which means it's how we experience grace in a tangible way. You can think about grace and picture it in your mind, but when water is joined with the word, we can physically feel grace in a unique way. Baptism is a gift that God gives to us. The gift of baptism is a process of becoming a new person in Christ. Baptism is about new life. The journey from an old creature to the new is rarely quick, and it includes an investment of time for the work of the Spirit to unfold. Baptisms happen pretty quickly, but the pilgrimage that it initiates lasts your whole life. For Luther, the act of baptism was not just a one-and-done event, a historical marker somewhere in the back of your life. Instead, baptism is to be a daily reality. Being baptized means we are always approaching deeper fellowship with Christ. Once you are baptized, every day is a baptism day. 
Every day you live into the calling of being a baptized child of God. Every day is an approach to being the new creation God is making you to be. Every day you are rejoined to Jesus through his death and resurrection. Every day you are reconnected to one another as the baptized body of Christ. Every day is an opportunity to renounce the evil that shadows your life. Every day is an opportunity to reclothe yourselves in the garment of Christ, washing and restoring you. Every day is a move away from being an individual to instead being a sibling in Christ. Every day is a baptism day. You might have noticed we moved the font to the narthex. I've asked our terrific Alter Guild folks to have water in the font every Sunday. And there's a reason for that. And it's not just because we needed more room up here in the front. The reason is because every time you step into this building, I want the first thing you see to be the font and the water. And remember, I am a child of God. And today is a baptism day. There's some misconceptions about baptism. One is that baptism functions as some sort of magic, like holy water that repels a vampire. Understanding baptism to be like magic separates the water from God's action. It's not the water that saves, blesses, and redeems you. It's God that saves, blesses, and redeems you. And it's only through faith, which is a gift given by the Holy Spirit, that baptism becomes this experience of overwhelming grace. That leads to another misconception about who can be baptized. Some believe that baptism should be based on a conscious choice that one makes. But that makes our decision the validation of baptism. Instead of letting baptism rest entirely on the work of the Spirit that gives us faith. Our faith, the ability to trust God and to believe, is not something we do by ourselves. But it is a gift God does for us. Primarily through the work of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is given to us as a gift, not produced from within ourselves. We can't conjure up faith on our own. God does it for us. And baptism is a sign of how God has already done everything for us. And we get to live in the blessings of it. Going back to the gospel reading, part of the reason John was so prickly was because of what some of the religious leaders presumed. It says that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were coming for baptism, but that's not the only way you can translate it. You probably guessed. You can also read it as they were coming against John's baptism, not for it. What John was doing was upsetting their authority 
And the crowds were clearly giving John's ministry a popularity that the leaders found to be suspicious. John knew that they would argue against his baptism based on where or perhaps who they came from. Pharisees and Sadducees would say, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For Jewish people, the lineage to Abraham is their saving grace. It's what connects them to the bloodline of God's chosen people. And for John to say, don't give me any of that Abraham stuff is an insult to their spiritual heritage. It would be like if you came to me and said, well, I've been a member of this church for 40 years. And I said, yeah, there's rocks outside that have been here 40 years. Who cares? Now, yes, John probably could take some lessons on tactfulness. Calling them a bunch of snakes probably didn't help. But despite the harshness, his point still stands. You are expected to bear good fruit. And this is where John steps on the toes of Lutherans. Because we're great at relying on the longevity of our church membership as if that will supersede the lack of good fruit in our life. Because we are great about making sure the kids get baptized, but bringing them back for Sunday school, confirmation, youth group, maybe not. But we are great at saying we are justified by faith through grace. What we forget is that faith without works is dead. Bear good fruit. The tree reveals its nature by the fruit it produces. So do you. Your inner nature is revealed by the fruit you produce or lack thereof. Now, if this were a Baptist church, we would have an altar call right now. You'd feel guilty and you'd come up to repent. But we're Lutheran, so we're not going to do that. Instead, I'll offer this invitation. Perhaps you wonder what feeling God's grace would be like. If you've not been baptized and want to consider what it might mean for you, let's talk. It's never too late, no matter how old or young you are. The Spirit of God is already doing its work of giving you faith. God is the one who chooses you in baptism. And God's grace is for all. Amen.